a very real and necessary gratitude. If you looked in the arts section of the Globe this morning, you would see the list of top nonfiction paperback bestsellers. And the book, Braiding Sweetgrass, is listed at the top. As it has been consistently for several months now, books about nature rarely make it to the bestsellers list. And if they do, they don't stay long. So what is it about the book, Braiding Sweetgrass, a book that was published, mind you, in 2013, is still on the bestsellers list right now? What is its staying power? Why is it a book that resonates with so many people? And why now? I admit I was one of the people who read the book when it was first published. I enjoyed it, and then it sat on my bookshelf as one of my book friends, where occasionally I would pull it off the shelf and leaf through it in search of ideas and inspiration. But this year, when I had the opportunity to facilitate a small group of fellow church members in a six-week exploration of this book, I read it again with the attention one gives when they're to be the discussion leader. I thought, I might tire of it. I reread any number of the series of essays in it. But I still go back and I find more every time I look in it. And what I found was my connection with the book was enlivened by the group, the conversation, the collective wisdom. And I will say now, I'm going to do a discussion of this book again, and maybe again. The book's many threads focus on indigenous wisdom, scientific knowledge, and the teaching of the plants. Robin Wall Kimmerer, the author, is a, a professor who teaches botany. And she's a Native American from a tribe in Oklahoma, grew up in New York, the story is her grandfather, like so many people, was displaced and removed from his home in Oklahoma to go to boarding school on the East Coast. So she has, she's a scientist, she has the indigenous wisdom that she grew up with and she is leading us to think about the teaching of the plants. In her book, we learn lessons from the plants, the strawberries, the maples, the moss, and the lichen, the sweet grass. We learn about indigenous wisdom in contrast, sadly, to the often damaging values and destructive actions of our consumer-oriented economy and Western culture. We learn about reciprocity and gratitude and the ways that science and indigenous wisdom complement each other rather than exclude or compete. We were reminded of the importance of ritual 
like the Thanksgiving, the recitation of the Thanksgiving address that we heard today. And something we value too, for our own Sunday morning worship each week, even on this very hot day. So much of what I learned in braiding sweetgrass, particularly in conversation with the group, is the realization that our many subjects covered in the book, these were things that I already knew. I knew, but the tra trajectory of my life had pushed me away from the natural world more than I like to admit. So much so that my early fascination and love for plants was sometimes I looked back on with nostalgia. I have, I have memories of a young me sitting on the lawn and looking at the blades of grass and of plantain and violets and the clumps of flowering clover and imagining a world enlivened by miniature people who lived there. I remember sitting there and looking at the hollyhocks along the fence line and hiding under the voluminous skirt of the forsythia. I remember looking for four-leaf clovers and crying when my father mowed the lawn in the spring because the dandelions and violets would be mowed down along with the grass. In high school, my senior project was for an ecology class where I spent much of the year researching edible plant, wild plants and then trying to prepare them for my sheepish family to eat as part of my project. I was passionate about finding ways uh, to, for, uh, to feed my family from the forest and living in the Pocono Mountains of Pennsylvania at that time made it easy for me to do so. I still love the natural world, but I admit that I am at least, at least one step removed too much of the time from where I used to be. And I'm willing to distance myself behind a window glass or to rush through a patch of woods instead of pausing to take in all the beauty and the animacy of the natural world around me. So one evening with our book discussion group, I noticed that the group drift, was drifting away from the agenda I had set for the evening. And as the leader, I wasn't sure but the discussion was taking on a life of its own. We began to share our own wisdom about plants and our own particular knowledge of the plant and animal world. Instead of just sharing our wonderful stories about human relations, about ourselves and our families, we were sharing stories about plants and rare turtles. We were sharing our collective wisdom and connecting to the natural world as a group in a way I had not experienced in a long time. It turns out that we all have plants and animals that we admired or that we were planting and harvesting in our back decks. And we had elders in our families that showed us how to work with plants. I so really enjoyed getting to know my church families through the plant and animal world, sharing different stories. And I know now to check in with Serena about the turtles in her backyard where researchers come. She has a rare turtles in her backyard. And I know to go to Jessa Haynes when it's not raining and go into the woods and visit that patch of sweet grass so we can smell the beauty of that grass. And I do plan to go to Tom and Patrick's place and walk that labyrinth. So a number of us 
have ways that we shared. And I uh, gave away some rain lilies, some uh, bulbs and lane, rain lilies to fellow members of the group. And I'm getting reports of the flowers blooming now, which is so exciting. So I am very grateful for our chance to share that collective wisdom and to focus our, con con our conversation on the natural world. Now, few of us would argue that expressing gratitude is not a good thing, yet why is it not a priority in our culture? Now, Robin Wall Kimmerer, the author of this book, states that without a sense of scarcity and emptiness, our consumer-driven culture, in our consumer-driven culture, we would lose the strong motivation to need more because we would know that we had more than enough to be grateful for each day. Meister Eckhart said, if the only prayer you say your entire life is thank you, that that would suffice. And the older I get, the more I agree with this. After going through my own cancer treatment almost 10 years ago, I started a new spiritual practice. Every morning I would awaken and express my gratitude with these words, thank you for life. Thank you for love. Thank you for hope. Or sometimes, when I was in a bit of a hurry, I would say, thank you for life, love, and hope. Being a survival of a life-threatening illness opened me to the understanding that I had every reason to be grateful, to be alive. And even when I am feeling rushed or preoccupied, I make any effort to pause and repeat these words to open my heart to a new day in the spaciousness of gratitude. So when Kimmerer included a chapter in her book titled Allegiance to Gratitude, I was immediately drawn to it. In this chapter, she describes hearing the Thanksgiving address that we heard this morning at a tribal school in upstate New York, where the students recite each day. The particular day she describes, it was third graders. It was their turn. As you heard the words of the Thanksgiving address, she was sharing a cultural tradition uh, from these people. This practice of gratitude teaches us to pay attention to all the aspects of our ecology, and when recited, provide a foundation for thinking about starting a new day in a different way. My little flare of gratitude could take less than a minute. When we hear the Thanksgiving dress, it takes seven or eight minutes to read. It's a commitment to focusing attention. And certainly we need that in our soundbite society to really have something resonate and stay with us. So much of this book challenges the reader to go beyond our culture's human-centric thinking. When I was saying my prayer of thanks, I was generally focusing on people who helped me and the hope for continued health, and that is good. But I wasn't thinking about all the other forces that are keeping me alive every day. Like so many things in her book, she reminds us to pay attention to things I already knew, but I generally don't focus on all the time. Why wouldn't I be grateful for all the things in the natural world beyond humans? The air, the water, the earth, the plants, the animals, 
all of which are responsible for keeping us alive each day on this earth. This reminds us that we need all living things to exist, even those things we might be annoyed by, like the bees and the mosquitoes. As we heard the reading of the Thanksgiving address, the people invite us to think of hearing a river of words and let them to pour over us with reminders that every day, I am grateful for many things, but I rest remember, and why shouldn't I, that I would not be alive without the air I breathe, the water I drink, the earth I walk upon, the plants, the trees that do their spectacular photosynthesis that feed us and the animals that populate the earth and the sun and the moon. These are not trite things to be grateful for. These are things that ensure our existence and the existence, their existence as well. And I might add, to stir us to preserve and protect them. As we endure this prolonged heat, along with others across the country and the world, there's no denying that our planet is in trouble. The consequences of our culture's indifference to the natural world and the need uh, for living in, uh, uh, and the need for living in balance and harmony is not a quaint idea. A shared gratitude for the natural world may seem a bit late now, but the imperative to listen has never been more necessary. Having intentional conversations with others, with the other aspects of our lives beyond the human, making it a priority to preserve and love all living things, bringing into constant focus the need to be in proximity to nature instead of viewing it through the window or on the screen. In these times, I have been envisioning a, a practice of gratitude that extends beyond the personal to the broader world that reminds us, reminds me of my debt of gratitude that Robin Wall, continue, Wall Kimmerer refers to. A type of gratitude I, I am naming as a very real and necessary gratitude how do you perceive the world, and what do we learn by listening to the Thanksgiving address? Do we hear an echo in ourselves and our deeper knowledge that gratitude should extend beyond human beings and the relationships we have with our people? All very important, but extending to all creatures that are amongst us. Western culture is so detached itself from living things that it was only in 2012 that an international consortium of scientists signed the Cambridge Declaration of Consciousness, that all animals actually possess consciousness and they should be considered in ethical decisions. 2012, how far our culture has removed ourselves to justify our taking, our mining, our overconsumption, our polluting. As Kimmerer points out in her chapter, Learning the Grammar of Animacy, she as a scientist and professor would often take her students into the wild, not only to study and learn the Latin names and the scientific processes of botany, but she encouraged them to learn the language of the woods, that world that is peopled with trees and animals and rocks and mountains and water. She encouraged them 
to animate them by naming them. By thinking of the world, the natural world, as in relationship with us, it helps us begin a different kind of conversation. She speaks of the arrogance of English with its grammar structured to make only animals, humans animate, and plants and animals and rocks are all it. And is worthy of our ethical concern, our fear of and disdain for anthropomorphism is quite foolish. How do we listen to the plants in other parts of the world? And if you're like me, how do I intentionally remember what I knew but had forgotten? Listen to the natural world, not in a silly way, but in a profound way. Pay attention to what is really happening in the world and what is happening in the ecology of our own spaces, even on the hottest of days. The earth is alive, and I must remember what I knew as a child. The animals and plants do tell their stories by what they do. Our proximity and attention to nature is not a whim, but an imperative, the offshoot of which is our joy of returning. We should know the names of our natural world and relate and converse. Expressing gratitude does create a shift inside us, and despite all the things that Kimmerer, a Native American's health, uh, has experienced, she could have been negative or cynical, but she remains remarkably optimistic in her view of the world in this book and her dedication being a teacher, particularly at the intersection between indigenous wisdom, scientific knowledge, and the teachings of the plants. There is a compelling reason that her book is number one on the bestsellers list in this consumer culture. She really does challenge us, and people maybe are listening right now. She challenges her reader to live into their gratitude. She says, while expressing gratitude seems in innocent enough, it is a revolutionary idea. You can't listen to the Thanksgiving address without feeling wealthy. As the beginning of the Thanksgiving address states, Today we have gathered and we look upon the faces around us. We see the cycles of life continue. We have been given the duty to live in balance and harmony with each other and all living things. So let us be grateful this morning for this river of words we heard this morning. Let us be grateful for the Haudenosaunee people for wanting us to hear their sacred words. And may we honor and respect them by knowing they are part of their culture and we are here to learn the lessons and create our own rituals. Let us be grateful for this community of beloved congregants who are willing to learn from others. Let us imagine teaching our children that expressing gratitude is a high priority, a very real and necessary ritual. Let us be grateful to our open hearts and open minds 
Let us be grateful for this day. And now we'll sing our final hymn for the earth forever turning. <laughs> <laughs> 